seated in the Lord's presence this morning. We kicked off a brand new series last week entitled Seasons. And we talked last week about understanding times and seasons. That was the, the title of our message last week. We said that seasons are a natural part of life. As people, we must understand that change is inevitable. But it's a part of how God matures us. It's a part of how he grows us. It's a part of how he pushes us to the next level. But we also talked about in that message last week but that how we respond in those seasons will determine our level of effectiveness in the kingdom of God. How many know that as children of God, that our response matters. How we respond to the various seasons of life. We're going to have seasons, but it's about how we respond to them. And so today I want to continue in that same vein. And today I want to talk about pressing through your season of lack. Pressing through your season of lack. Now, I think everybody should know by now that if you've been saved for any length of time, that you're going to have some seasons in your life where you're going to experience some kind of lack. Contrary to what some folks would try to tell you, you know, that uh, when you first get saved, you know, you know they, they somehow convey the idea that when you're saved, walking with God, doing all the right things, everything, all the diamond, the dominoes and everything just kind of fall in line and everything is just neat and packaged perfectly. But you who've been saved for any length of time, you know that's not the case. We are all going through challenges and through seasons and we go through periods of lack. Seasons where we lose a job. Seasons where we lose income or we have difficulty in meeting our responsibilities or perhaps we're we're having some health issues and makes it really difficult for us to move ahead. Or perhaps you're sitting here today and you're thinking that, you know, man, I have I have a lot of needs and maybe you've been praying and and, and trusting and talking to God about it. And, and, and perhaps you're thinking that, you know, God has forgotten about me. You know, I've been, this thing has been prolonged. This is hard. Maybe, you know, the heavens are brass. I seem like I'm not getting a breakthrough. And, and after all, if God really loved me, then why would he have allowed me to lose my home? Why would he have allowed me to lose my, I mean, if he really cares, why does God allow me to go through some of this stuff that quite frankly, if I had my way, y'all know what I'm talking about, I wouldn't do it. But how many know, even walking with God for any length of time, that God is faithful? Can I get a witness? God will always, listen to this church, God will always take care of his children, always. Now, maybe not in the fashion and in the order that we would have choose, but then again, you're not Lord, he is, right? Am I right about it? 
But he comes through time and time again. How many of you have seen that in your own life that through the years, God has been faithful? I can, I can tell you in my own personal life, you know, God has met my needs. He's met the needs of my family. He's met the needs of this church. I mean, I'm telling you, we have experienced some seasons of challenge. And, and, and all I can say is that as I look back on it, God has been faithful all the way through. Can I get a witness? Amen. God has been faithful, and God has been faithful to you. God has met your need. You are still sitting here today breathing, although you thought that you weren't going to make it. Anybody ever thought, you were, I'm not going to make it? Yeah, you, you thought, man, I, this, I don't know about this one, but you're sitting here today because God graced you, because God provided for you, because God cares. And I can honestly say, church, that the time that I grew the most as a Christian, was when I learned, when I had to learn how to trust God to provide. The time that, man, I'm telling you, the time, man, that my faith began to shoot shoot to the moon was a time when I realized that, you know what, that, that I have to trust God. And God put me in some situations and circumstances where if he didn't come through, I won't going to make it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, maybe you're sitting here today. If, 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 if God don't do it, nothing's going to happen. But can I say to you today, that is the absolute best place you can be. Oh, pastor, I didn't want to hear that. You know, it's the, it's the I'm, I'm, because the, the, the scripture, the Bible says that it's hard. You know, when the rich, a young ruler came to Jesus, all happy, thinking he had it all figured out. And, and he said, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus started talking to him, and, and then Jesus challenged him to give up his money. Y'all remember what, he, what the rich young ruler did? He says, I can't do this. He walked away. You know why he walked away? Because Jesus had exposed something inside of him that perhaps he didn't even realize that he was trusting more in the money than he was trusting in the God who gave it to him. Now, we understand, because we talked about this last week, that God is our provider, that God is our source. But from a very practical standpoint, we still, we still don't always walk it out as if we know that God is our source. But, Pastor, how do I know? Because the minute somebody say, give God 10%, you get all upset. Oh, I ain't, I'm preaching, oh, I'm talking today. No, you get all upset. Why do we get upset? Because in, in part, in part. Maybe you haven't yet realized that he is the one that is giving you the power to get what you got. And God always going to, and, and, and let, me, let me say this, and God is going to work in your life and in my life in such a way that he's going to wean us from trusting on ourselves. Oh, God. He's going to wean us from trusting on ourselves and trusting in him. And so one of the things we'll learn today, hopefully, is that God will allow seasons of lack to grow our dependence on him. Let me say that again. Oftentimes, God will allow seasons of lack. How many of you would say you grew when when you, see, there's a problem sometimes when you have everything, you tend to Take the blessing and walk, don't you? But boy, but when things get real hard, boy, when you don't know how you're going to make it, mm-hmm. boy, when, when it, when it seems like, man, the bill collector knocking on the door or something, let me tell you, all of a sudden, then, boy, you spiritual. You in church. 
You're on your knees. You're crying out to God now. I need what? Help. <laughs> and God wants you there because we're, our default is not to be there, but that's what God does. So everything God does is to lead us to that point. Now, let's go to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. Here, we extrapolate a few things that Jesus said that I think is worth repeating and expanding on just a little bit. Jesus said, first of all, Jesus gives a command. How many of you love Jesus? Come on, clap your hands. Say maybe you love Jesus, right? How many of you love Jesus? How many of you believe Jesus? How many of you would take Jesus at his word? How many of you are ready to obey Jesus? Oh, I'm setting you up. You know it. <laughs> well, first thing Jesus says, he's watching. He says, do not worry. Everybody say, do not. Now, in my Bible, when Jesus speaks, it's in the red. <laughs> see, see, all that stuff in the red. Jesus says, do not worry. It's a choice that we make. If you're sitting here and you worry, how many know it's not God's will for you to worry? Oh, y'all not listening to me. It's not God's will for you to be stressed, pulling out your hair, not being able to go to sleep at night, all upset, frustrated, walking the floor because you can't. It is not God's will for you and I to worry. You are not designed to worry. That's why when you get overloaded with worried, you get what? Sick. There's a lot of people who are having physical problems and they're sick today. Listen, not because necessarily they have something inherently wrong with them. It's because they're full of worry. How many know worry ain't good for your health? Look, the the doctor who don't know Jesus will tell you that. (laughs) It's a fact. So we understand that worry then is a choice. Worry is a choice. If I'm worried, I'm choosing to worry. I would say to you today, choose not to worry. Choose to worship. (laughs) Choose to praise. Jesus goes on to say, he says, now, do not worry about your food. He says, do not worry about food and clothing. (laughs) And he draws a contrast there because he says, I want you to take a look at the birds of the air and, and, and look at creation. Do it look like any one of those are worried about anything? He said, if, listen, he said, if I, can, if I can feed the animals, if I can take care of creation, he says, if I can do all that, you are of much more value than they. And they are not worried, then why are you? He says, watch this. And in essence, he's saying, if I'm going to take care of creation, I'm going to take care of the animals and the birds. He says, don't you even doubt for one second that I'm going to provide for you. How many know God is keenly aware right now of every need in this room? Are y'all hearing me? God, listen, God is not up there like, oh, shoot, I didn't know you. You were struggling. Thanks for letting me know. (laughs) How many know God is keenly aware? He already knows Exactly. We'll, we'll cover that here in a moment. But Jesus goes on and said, now watch this. Now, this is so important. Are you still listening? Say amen. He says in verse 32, he said, don't you be worried about food, clothing, because unbelievers, that's all they think about. That's all they worry about. That's what they live for. They live for the here and now. But here's the key. He says, for all of these things, watch this, the Gentiles seek. In other words, He said that the Gentiles 
seek all those things and they live for those things. That's what it's all about to them because they have no relationship with God. In other words, they don't really understand or, have, or really have embraced the fact that what is the source of all these things. So as a consequence, they live their, their entirety of their life living for the here and the now. What I got to eat, what I got to put on, what I got to live. That's all they're about. Because they don't have a relationship with Jesus. But look at your neighbor and say, but you know better. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's saying. He said, but you know better. Why? Because you know where the source of all that you have comes from. You know better. See, they don't know, but you know that God, I mean, we said last week, God said, if I was hungry, I would not ask you, for I own the cattle on a thousand hills. He said, the world is mine and everything that is in it, everybody in this room know it. And if you know that, you ought to be at rest. That ought to calm you down just a little bit. It ought to make you think, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to worry about this because my daddy owns it all. He, he's creator. He's God. And he's in control. I'm not going to act like the unbelievers. I'm not going to be running around, pulling my hair, uh, whatever. Uh, I'm not going to run around do it. Y'all didn't catch the joke. So uh, I'm not going to run out do all that. I'm not going to do all of that worried because I already know, watch this, that my daddy said this. I already know you have need before you ask. Y'all get, get that? I got a problem. Does anybody here have a problem with that statement? Come on, work, walk with me. He said now, you're sitting there, you, you're praying, you're talking to God, and before you even crack your mouth, God already knows exactly what you need. To then it begs the question, God, what's up? <laughs> are you playing games with me? God, are, are we tripping? God, what's, what's, what's going on, Marvin Gaye? What's going on, God? What are we doing? See, how many know there's more important for us to learn to trust God, watch this, than to get that chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A? I know you think you're going to die if I don't get that chicken sandwich. Oh, man, if I don't get it, I ain't going to make it. I ain't going to make it. You going to make it. You going to do just all fine, all right. You going to be fine. But, boy, we get all upset and we can't get a chicken sandwich. We can't get a burger. Oh, God. Oh, God. What am I going to do? Chill out. Look at your name and say, shut up. Yeah, I'm going to hear all that. Hey. Because, because what God is trying to do, watch this, church. What God is trying to do is to teach us. Here's what it's all about. God, want, God don't want you relying on nothing else but him. Period. And if you're not there, trust me, he is going to work in your life to push you there every single day of your life. And if you don't understand that, you will get frustrated and you will start to worry because you don't understand the process that God is taking you through. Or as Tony Evans said, the detour. Because there's some construction happening. But watch what Jesus, Jesus says. Well, I like how he says, he says, now watch this. He says, now, so all these things everybody else is worried about, everybody else is concerned about. But he says, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you, because they don't know no better. 
I expect them to worry. I expect them to act crazy. I expect them because they don't know me. I expect them to go rob and shoot and do crazy stuff. I, I, but you, I don't expect that from you because you know the truth. You ever, parent, you ever looked at your kid and say, you know better? Yeah. And they come home and tell you what everybody else did, all the other kids, what everybody else did. Oh, but, but I don't want to hear that because you know, but you, we didn't teach you that here. How many know God is saying, kids, you know better? I didn't teach you. You ought to know. Don't you be running around acting like you're worried and tired. No, you cut it out. He said, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to seek first the kingdom. Wait a minute, God. How am I going to seek the kingdom when I'm hungry? I'm not preaching. How am I going to seek the kingdom, right? How am I going to seek the kingdom, God? And I got to pay some bills. I mean, y'all, y'all know I'm preaching better than y'all letting on here. Now, y'all know that's how y'all, listen, that's how we be. Excuse, pardon the English. That's how we are, man. Man, but how am I supposed to serve God? I got all of this stuff. Have you ever read your Bible? Apostle Paul, called of God, a man of God. Paul said, I was beaten 40 times, left out in the, uh, in the middle of the sea for deep. Paul was thrown in jail, and he was beat up and, and almost left for half dead. He had enemies all over the place, serving God, loving God. And God said, boy, keep preaching, and he preached. Do you not understand that it's protocol, that it's the norm, that, that because this is what God wants you to do. God, see, here's the test. And here's what many, how, why many of us fail this test, because the minute that it gets hard, you draw back. You stop. You stop coming to church. You stop, you stop sharing. You stop doing all these things you should be doing. And what, how many know that the harder you get, the more you what, sir? The more you think about kingdom. We talk about the kingdom of God. We're, t- we're talking about his, his, his rule. We're talking about his agenda, kingdom priority. God wants us to be overloaded with about Kingdom business. Well, I don't know, but, but I got, uh, I don't know about all that. I got other stuff to, I, got, I got to be concerned with. He says, seek first the kingdom. Did he not? Is that what Pastor Baylor said? Is that what the word says? I asked y'all earlier if y'all believe the word. Everybody in this room, I remember y'all said, yes, I do. Okay. He said, seek first the kingdom. Put the kingdom above, watch this church, get it. Put the kingdom of God above your own interests. Now watch. And then, but, now there's, but there's a promise attached. Everybody say promise. Because he, he didn't leave us out there. He said, now here's what I want you to do. When it gets hard, when you think in your mind that you ain't going to make it, he said, at that moment, I want you to prioritize the kingdom. And he said, now watch this. And here's the promise. And he says, then, he says, and all these things will be added unto you. How many know that God is not a man that he will lie? God says, if you put the kingdom of God first, he said, if you put me first, I'll give you what you, I'll take care of all of that. You don't have to worry about any of it. I'll meet your need and then some. Why? Because how many know God wants to bless you more than you want to receive the blessing? Y'all, yeah, some of y'all didn't get that. God want to bless you more than you even want to receive. How many know that God told the children of Israel, he said to them, I'm taking you into a good land. How many know that God is taking you into a good land? 
How many believe that God is take God got something good in store for you? Is anybody believing that today? I don't know about you. I just, I just, every day I wake up, I think, boy, some good is about to happen to me. Why? Because Jesus is on the throne, church. Paul said, look, Paul said, be anxious for nothing in Philippians 4, 6. He said, don't be worried about a thing, but by everything. Everybody say everything. He said, everything through prayer and supplication and do it with thanksgiving while you're at it. How <laughs> I many know complaining and thanksgiving, they can't occupy that same spot. So something got to go. You know, start complaining, then try to be thankful. Watch, it's a conflict. <laughs> Can't work. He says, so, so he's don't worry about a thing. So if you worry today, it's your fault. Look at the neighbor, say it's your fault. Okay. Then look at the neighbor again and say, stop it. Say, cut it out. Tell him, cut, say, cut it out, cut it out, cut it, cut it out. All right. Now, so why does God then allow us to go through seasons of lack? So we're talking about this thing of lack because the God, God, like we said before, there's, there's seasons in life, and God uses those seasons in order to, uh, in order to uh, 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 catapult us, if you will, into our purpose, into our destiny. God uses the changes of seasons and times in, in our lives because it, it, it rains on the just. It rains on the unjust. God allows you to go through some things just like he allowed others. It's not going to be perfect for you, Christian, but the difference is God is with you, and it's all going to work together for your good. I mean, no, I I can take that. Deuteronomy chapter 8. I love this verse. The one we read all the time in this church because I don't think we could ever get enough of it. Why does God allow lack? And I tried to think of a, a better verse than this one because we use it so much. And then I said, eh, why not take it? It's, it's the best example in Scripture. God says to the children of Israel right before he was about to he, he went through all this period of, of, of these various seasons of challenge, and now God is bringing them to their season where they're about to go into the land of promise. They're about to get the inheritance. Hallelujah. And he says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2 and 3, And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all these 40 years in the wilderness. Mm. That, boy, I can preach right there. God led you all these years in the wilderness. That don't even, look, did y'all hear that? Listen to that again. God led you in the wilderness. But that'll mess your theology up, won't it? <laughs> that'll, bu that'll bust your theology up because you ain't been taught that. Nobody tells you that. Oh, y'all. He said, you shall remember the Lord your God led you all the way in these woods for 40 years. You can't take it, you can't take it for a week. Try 40 years. In the wilderness, why he do it? To humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandment or not. So he humbled you, allowed you, allowed you to hunger. And he's still a good God. Come on. And God will let you go. How many know God will let you go hungry sometime and he's still good? Uh, Y'all listen to what I'm saying. He allowed you to hunger, and he fed you with men. I'm going to talk about that manner here in a second. Which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know. <laughs> here it is right here, church. That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. So why does he do it? First point is to humble us. Because we are all programmed to be self-reliant, right? Stinking pride. 
Why does God let us go? Why does God let us go through seasons of lack? He want to humble us. He don't want us to trust in ourselves. Then it, I like what it says. They said he fed them with manna. You see, the manna represents your provision to stay alive. See, manna, and, and it got to a point. Now, y'all remember in the scripture that the children of Israel got upset about the manna. Y'all remember that? And they, watch this now. They said, we don't want this manna. We remember the leeks and the onions and the watermelons and the cantaloupes and the cucumbers, the plums and the grapes. I threw a couple other fruits in there. We own all of that. We're sick and tired of this manna. Manna represents God's provision for you. That's God's need for you until the overflow comes. Listen, don't slight your manna. Your manna is just what you need. Look at the neighbor and say, it's what you need. Now, God promised to meet your every what? Need. Some of us right now, you got manna, but boy, you're tired of that manna. Let me tell you something right now. Thank God for the manna. Because if you can't thank him for the manna, you ain't going to get the other stuff that comes after that. God is taking you someplace, and so the manna is your teacher that you might rely on him. So watch this. So the manna then, I want this manna, I, 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 I love this manna, because this manna is keeping me, watch this. Are y'all hearing me? See, the manner is keeping me on my knees. It's keeping me trusting. It's, it's keeping me. Uh, but, and, and, and I said before, it's better to learn how to trust God than to get the chicken sandwich. Because the, the chicken sandwich, gonna, and, and I, got, I love Chick-fil-A. Y'all know I love Chick-fil-A. It's, it's going to be in heaven. I believe that. But ain't nobody going to be trusting in Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Are y'all with me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Chick-fil-A, come on, Chick-fil-A, man. Good chicken. But God don't want us trusting in that. He, he will, so what he does, God sometimes, God says, I don't want you to have, you're not going to have a great meal. You're not going to have the filet mignon. You're not going to be able to go to the nice restaurants for a minute. You're going to have to stay here. Why? Because God has ordained for you to go through that season for his own glory. For his own purpose. Uh, so he fed him with manna. And then he says, it's a test. How many know that God gives us tests? He gives you tests. Watch this. And it says that, that he might know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandment or not. Can I help you with your theology? God is omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. God is omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. How many know God already know whether or not you're going to keep his commandments or not? Anybody believe that? He already know that, right? He, he already know. This is more for you than it is for him. <laughs> Watch this. Because you don't know yourself. <laughs> you think you are at a certain place, man, and man, you get, and it's not until you get up in the fire until when God put the squeeze on you. Now we really know what you're made of. This is more about for you. Because we let you tell it, I'm all right with God. 
if I was there with the children of Israel, I wouldn't have got mad at Moses. I, if I would have saw that Red Sea, I would have walked in faith. I would have been trusting God. I don't know why them people was, 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 was just talking like crazy and not trusting. That I, if I was there, I'd have been different. No, you wouldn't have. Because you're here today and you're the same way. Oh, y'all don't want to hear this. Here's what I'm trying to say, church. God allowed them to go through the test so that he can show us them ourselves so that we would know where we need to make the proper adjustment. That's how humility comes. You know, anybody ever been up on a high horse and then a couple things happen in your life and you realize and God kind of toned you down a little bit and you thought, oh, okay. I, I got it. I didn't see that before. I, I thanks. Appreciate that. Well, that should be our attitude. Some folks get mad. Hey, some folks bail, man. They go, really, man. I'm telling you right now. I love. I love. This is one of the reasons why I love God because I know that He is for me. Y'all, come on, church. And I know that some good is going to come out of my life. If you're going through a season of lack, this is your time to give God the praise. Because if you stay faithful. If you embrace the process, look at the neighbor and say embrace. You got to embrace. If you embrace the process, something wonderful is going to happen. Because I think Tony Evans said this in that clip we watched, because our, the, the length of our season sometimes is determined by our response. Now, y'all listen to what I'm saying. See, it depends on you your growth level, your response to what God is doing. What it, it, and let me, let me tell you, because sometimes we prolong our, how many know that the children of Israel, you know, God didn't want, to, want them to do all those 40 years. They got crazy, and God had to kill off a whole lot of them. Y'all know what I'm talking about. He had, because they, they didn't get it. But, hey, I don't know about you, but I don't want to prolong my season no longer than what I need to be. Are y'all following what I'm saying? But God meets us where we are, broken, messed up. God, he meets us where we are, and then he just gently just takes us. And as long as you can keep your focus on God, you'll learn a lot of things, and it'll help you in Jesus' name. So God, he says, he says in Deuteronomy, he says, I allow them to go hungry. <laughs> so God could have gave them filet mignon. He could have gave them outback. He could have gave him Ruth Chris. He could have gave him the Texas Roadhouse. He could have gave him Applebee's. Could have gave him Ruby Tuesdays. He could have. Y'all get him. Y'all get what I'm saying. He could have, but he says, "Yeah, I'm just gonna give you a little manna right now, some pork and bean and hot dog. Take that." Boy, I remember as a kid, boy, my season of manna. But all I remember, listen, some of y'all, some of y'all, some of y'all kids, boy, I, I just don't know. Y'all don't know. We, we used to eat mayonnaise sandwiches. Mayonnaise. Ain't no meat, brother. Mayonnaise is supposed to come with meat. You're supposed to put meat with the meat. We had no meat. But that was our manner, and all I saw was my mom praising God, and she walked us up and down the road to church every Sunday morning for five miles, and we just ate mayonnaise sandwich for breakfast. And all along the way, my mom in church shouting, praising. Fast forward some years later, all of our kids are blessed. 
walking with God. Oh, look, let me tell you, enjoy your manna. Ah, oh, gosh, well, I can tell you, I can. He let them go hungry because he, God says, I don't want you to know the man don't live by bread alone. Ah, he, it's not about the bread. That's, that's all he's saying. It's not about the bread. Because as we said earlier, he already knows what we have need of before we ask. So let's get ready to close this. So watch this. So how do we respond during our lack, our season of lack? So how do we respond? Now, this is important. Because I said a moment ago that our season sometimes, and the length of our season, the duration of our seasons, oftentimes it depends on how we respond to what God is doing in your life. Understand, God is working in your life. And so how you respond, in other words, if you don't get mad, if you don't stop thanking God, if you don't get to a point where you let your frustration, you know, take you, take your eyes off of God. You know how some people do when things get hard? You know, they just, they just, they don't, they don't, they don't act the same way, you know, because they, if, if, if you can have the right response, you're, 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 you're you will not only facilitate the blessing, you will expedite the blessing and what God want to do. So the first thing we got to do is, it's only four things and then we're going to be done. We're going to be done. Here's how we respond during our season of life. Number one, we trust. Number two, we obey. Number three, uh, we give. And then number, watch this, number four, we don't complain. I'm going to take them one by one. First, trust. Everybody say trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean out on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your path. All right? So, this is another God's way of saying, here's what he's saying, really. In your season of challenge, in your season of life, here's what he's saying. I'm not going to even give you a full scoop. I'm not even going to give you all the evidence. I'm not going to tell you anything. What I want you to do right now is just simply trust me. Now, for many of us, when we hear that, we don't like that. Why do we like that? Because it goes contrary to our nature. We like to be in control. Anybody like, come on, be honest. How many like to kind of be in control of things? I mean, my flesh likes to be in control. I like to make my own decisions. I like, you know, my flesh. You know, flesh ain't redeemed. Your soul is, but your flesh is still messed up. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. In other words, live on the edge with God. Go all, the, go all out. Believe him fully, completely, totally. And you don't even have to understand it. God's saying, I'm not going to give you anything. The only thing I'm going to say to you, watch this. He said, the only thing I'm going to say to you is, trust me. Secondly, he says, Obey. Everybody say obey. In Abraham, uh, you remember in Genesis chapter 12, the Bible, and this is verses 1 and 3, and the Lord said to Abraham, get out. Everybody say get out. Get out from your family, from your father's house. Oh, come on. I can preach right there, kids. I am not. <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm going to behave. Get out of your country from your family, from your father's house, watch this, to a land that I will what? Show you. Uh, uh, God, like, seriously, like, can you, like, show me first? <laughs> can you, know what I mean? like, like, can you, like, uh, you know, this is a, you're asking me to do something pretty significant. Can you at least give me something, something? Like, can you, no. Get out from your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land I will show you. 
Abraham, obey me even when you don't see the evidence that you need to see. In your season of lack, obey God no matter what it looks like in the natural. Right? Now, look at this. Now, I want to look at this. This is amazing. He says, now, the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land I will show you. Watch this. Watch, now, there's, a, there's a word that's a common denominator. It's a word that just keep popping up. He says, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. <laughs> and I will curse and will curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Y'all get that? But the, best, the blessing was attached to what? Obedience. Had Abraham said, watch this, brother. Had Abraham said, I ain't going. Can't do it. Then guess what? He won't going to be no great nation. All these blessings that God was, it won't going to happen. See, see, God wants you to obey right where you're at. And he wants you to give. The best time to give. Now, this don't make sense in the natural, but hear me. The best time to give is in your season of lack. The best time to give. The best time to give is when you have hardly nothing left. You know, when these jokers, I don't mean no harm. I'm sorry. I ain't got no problem with people who are billionaires. In fact, I hope one of them come and join our church. But listen, I'm just being honest. You know, anyway, y'all in it. So, but you know, if somebody give a, a a uh, million dollars and they're a billionaire, what did they really give? What sacrifice did that take? I mean, thank you for it, appreciate it, but, but, but really, the Bible says, that, see, the woman of Zarephath, I don't have time to read it, 1 Kings chapter 17, read it, the woman of Zarephath, 1 Kings chapter 17. This woman had, had a famine, it was a little bit of, she, all she had was a little bit of oil in a jar. And, and, and Elijah, the man of God, walked up, and said, uh, I, know you, I know this is all you got, but before you, t- you, know, you know, take that and, and eat it and whatever, fix me a cake first. And she said, well, I think that's all I got. He says, do as the Lord said and watch what I do. And the Bible says that after the woman did what the man of God said, gave when she had hardly nothing. Her last, she shared it. She gave it. It says, watch this. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the Lord sends rain on the earth. So watch this, verse 15. So she went away, did according to the word of the Lord Elijah, and she and her whole household ate for many days. When did that happen? How did that happen? Because she gave. Jesus, Jesus even takes this stuff further. See, if the church can ever get this, we'll be so much better. I'm telling you right now, if the church will really embrace this principle, Luke says, give, it shall be given you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put in your bosom, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back. So the measure of your blessing is attached to the measure of your giving. So if you want a stingy blessing, be a stingy giver. See, the woman had, listen, y'all, y'all see, listen, say amen. See, the woman that had that, 
Who's that woman in the, in the Jesus watched? This little old woman had one little mite. And there were people who was giving out of their abundance, and Jesus said, they ain't did nothing. He said, but this woman right here, she gave everything. Content-wise, it was a whole lot less. But spiritually-wise, she gave more than all of them. Why? Because she gave her all to show that she wasn't trusting in her money. She was trusting in him. Y'all follow me? So this is why I say the best time to give is in your season of lack because it's the true demonstration of what you're really trusting in. Satan will tell you otherwise. Hold on. You know, I, I give God a little, but, you know, I got to keep a little something, something, just in, just in case, you know, God don't, you know, I, just in case God don't show up. I got to keep a little something, something, you know. Learn to be givers in your season of lack. And your season of lack is not the time to hold on tightly. It's the time to let some things go. Measured wisely, but you give. And then lastly, don't complain. Look at the neighbors who don't complain. In your season of lack. Bible says in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 10, 10 says, nor complain as some of them also complain and they were destroyed by the destroyer. Complaining, as I've always said, is a non-starter with God. So here's what I do. So in my season of lack, I'm not going to complain. I'm going to, the Bible says, in all things, be thankful for this is the will of God concerning you. God wants you to be thankful. So if you're experiencing a season of lack, don't complain. Because how many of you know that even though you don't call God's name, even though you, don't, you, you may not say it directly to him, but how many of you know that when you complain, God takes it personal? Why does God take it personal? Because he's in charge of your life. So he takes it personal. So we don't complain. We are grateful. We are thankful in my season of lack because I know that this too shall pass. This is a season. As I'm going through this season, I'm going to have a wonderful and incredible and amazing attitude because Jesus is on the throne. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed.